everybody. So Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. We are really excited. We are here to do our third annual holiday film uh, podcast, our holiday fa favorite films. And Joe Tapano is here with me. <laughs> hey, Rachel. And hey, everybody at Rachel's channel. Merry Christmas. Rachel, thank you for having me here once again. I, yeah. I'm just amazed that we're, we've gotten to round three. And I have to admit that Coming up with a list this time was a lot harder than I anticipated. <laughs> yeah, it really was because, so if you're wondering like, where is It's a Wonderful Life or where is whatever, it's because we've already done those and I'll put links down to the previous videos. Those will be sort of, those were live. And so they're a little bit longer than this will be since this is edited. And, uh, but I think they're so fun, a lot of fun. And so, yeah, we've already done, I'll just read off the list of the ones we've already talked about with Arthur Christmas, Charlie Brown Christmas, Scrooge 1951, Die Hard, It's a Wonderful Life, White Christmas, The Polar Express, Christmas Story, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, Home Alone 1 and 2, Die yeah. Hard 2, Muppets Christmas Carol, While You Were Sleeping, Arthur's Perfect Christmas, Christmas on Sesame Street, Christmas Time Again, It's Christmas Time Again, Charlie Brown, Meet Me in St. Louis, and Miracle on 34th Street. <laughs> Long list, and I was actually watching Woo! the other night, or I think it was last night, yeah. Yeah, let's get right to it. This is very good. We each have five films on our list. These are not in uh, ascending order. They're just five that we like. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to start out talking about, uh, coming from my love of Disney, we are going to talk about Mickey's Christmas Carol. Now, this is technically a short or featurette, as they might call it. I think it's 23 minutes long. And uh, it tells the story of the Christmas Carol. And uh, it has, I mean, how perfect do you have, can it be when you have a character in your library named Scrooge? It's perfect for really? the, for doing a Christmas Carol. And <laughs> they have, of course, Scrooge McDuck to play Scrooge. Mickey remember. playing Bob Cratchit. You have Scrooge playing Scrooge, obviously. And <clears throat> you have... You, you have Goofy as Jacob Marley's ghost, which is a lot of fun. <laughs> oh my God, that, that's just, that image now in my head is like, oh man, that ought to be fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's kind of falling all over the place and, <laughs> and everything. And this is a good way to sort of introduce your kids to Christmas Carol. It's not too scary, like some of the versions are pretty scary. The ending scene is pretty, pretty intense. It's pretty emotional with with Scrooge in the grave and he's like clinging on to the, you know, to make, I will change, I will change. Oh. <laughs> and that plays nephew Fred. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And then you have, so he's really chipper and happy and everything, of course. You have Pete, uh, the, from the Goofy Pantheon playing uh, Future, the, the giant playing Christmas present. <laughs> okay. oh, yeah, cool. right. yeah, and he, he's from Mickey and the Beanstalk. Uh, I, re I remember that short actually. Now that you mention it, it just pops back into my memory. It's pretty hilarious. I don't really like Fun and Fancy Free, the movie that it's from. That's where I saw it from. Yeah, yeah. You just want to watch just that short. You get to see some other characters that you don't get to see that often. Like you have uh, Mole and. Uh, and I guess it's uh, Mole and Rat uh, playing uh, from the uh, Mr. Toad uh, short. 
coming in. They're playing, they play the benefactors seeking money for the poor. Uh, so it's, it's just really fun. Like it just gathers a whole bunch of different characters and they tell the, the story pretty well. Uh, you, you know, you see a little bit of past, which is Jiminy Cricket and you see present <laughs> and you see, uh, you know, a little bit of future. Of course they have to cut out a lot cause it's only 23 minutes and, yeah. uh, and I think it's actually pretty well written. I really like, uh, when Scrooge says, well, you realize if you give money to the poor, they won't be poor anymore. And if they aren't poor anymore, then you won't have to raise money for them. And you too will be out of a job. Oh, please, gentlemen, don't ask me to put you out of a job. It's <laughs> <laughs> interesting. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. And I, I also like, I thought this was a really good line where Scrooge says, you work all your life to get money. And then people want you to give it away. And it's interesting because it is true that like, mm. if you, if for any other part, any other kind, because he happens to work in finance, any other type of work, nobody would ever expect you to just give, give it away. You know, it's kind of an interesting point. I think like if you were a painter, people don't just expect you to just give away paintings. Yeah. It's kind of an interesting, interesting point. And uh, it's fun. And so, uh, yeah, and he's pretty sarcastic, Scrooge and McDuck in this. You know, he says to Jiminy Cricket, I thought you'd be taller. And Jiminy says, if men were measured by kindness, you'd be no bigger than a speck of dust. And Scrooge <laughs> says, kindness is of little use in this world. So <laughs> That's interesting, yeah. yeah. And so the big theme of this version of Christmas Carol is all about sort of kindness, as opposed to particularly like uh, Christ or... Uh, or real like it's about it's about Scrooge learning to be kind to right. his fellow man that's sort of the the take they have on it okay. and so yeah uh, you have um, Belle played by Daisy of course <laughs> okay and that's really that's good and because um, you got to have if uh, it's sort of weird though because this is the only time I think that Daisy is not with Donald sort of oh yeah <laughs> shocking in the disney world right yeah i guess so <laughs> and i thought oh you know this actually yeah. sounds pretty legit oh it is it's really good it's very very good i mean i'm a huge christmas Carol fan but this is one of my favorite versions it's really solid and i like the music in it is actually really good and oh, yeah when did it come out um it was like 1983 or four it came wow. out they re-released the uh the rescuers on and in 1983 they re-released the rescuers and they put this in front of the rescuers and it's so funny because everybody's freaking out about the fact that olaf's frozen adventure is in front of of coco which i thought was really cool actually but and but disney has had longer shorts ahead of their films before and, uh, and so they were, I think they were just kind of experimenting with something. They're trying something. And, but yeah, this is an example of a longer short over 20 minutes. That was before a feature film. And, uh, nobody, you know, nobody seemed to care. <laughs> yeah. Shorts. Usually when I think of shorts, like maybe like five, 10 minutes long or something like that. I don't think, yeah. I mean, I don't know if they still do the 20 minute thing, but when well, I think they of, tried, <laughs> they uh, tried to do it and it okay. didn't really work. So I, I think it's a bit of a shame. Cause it could have been really cool. 
to have featurettes, you know, before like longer featurettes. And I would love that to start a new trend personally, but I guess I'm in the minority. On DVD, on Blu-ray, they have like four or five additional shorts, which are solid and entertaining. So okay. I would recommend actually getting the Blu-ray slash DVD if you, if you get a chance. It's really okay. fun. All right, so, so off with uh, probably one of the greatest films of all time. And I hear the music for it sometimes on the radio around the holidays. And it always kind of made me go, why do we hear music from this? This is not a Christmas movie, but you know what? If we are going to go that way, I can watch it at Christmas time. It is The Sound of Music. Ah, one of my favorites. With Julie Andrews and Christopher Plummer, right? Yeah. Okay. Those of you who don't know the story, it's it's a story about a nun, or I think she's supposed, she's training to be a nun in the the monastery or or whatever that is. A woman named Maria living in Austria right before, a couple of years before World War II. She's kind of a free spirit, I guess, if you will. She's a very devout Christian, very devout Catholic, but she, long story, I mean, she doesn't, she often misses out on a lot of um, stuff that involves the monastery or the, the convent. Or I, 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 I went to Catholic school. I should know some of these terminologies. <laughs> but I don't. And, uh, I, I think she's trying to figure her place out and uh, Reverend Mother, whatever her name is, I guess the head of the, the, the nuns or whatever, she decides to send her to this family, the Von Trapp family. Uh, the father is, um, uh, I don't, I forget his first name, but Captain, Captain Von Trapp. Uh, yeah, what is this? It's just Captain. Gerhard, Captain Von Trapp. Von Trapp. Von Trapp. <laughs> Von Trapp. Captain yeah. Von Trapp. Yeah. <laughs> Played by the great Christopher Plummer. Yes. He's part of the uh, Austrian Navy or something like that. And uh, he's very strict because of his wife passing away. And he yeah. imposed like a strict militaristic rule on his children. My seven That's children. Seven kids. Oh, yeah. And I still remember the first time I saw this movie. And when she goes, seven children, I go, oh, boy. This is fun. <laughs> yeah. and, but she agrees to go. And uh, it's it, as, as the title gives it away, it's a musical, but there's a lot, there are, and I'm not a big fan of musicals in general. I think a lot of times they kind of overdo it with the singing or the stories are just kind of, eh, or cl- too cliche for my liking. An example uh-huh. that comes to mind is Rock of Ages with Tom Cruise and oh yeah, <laughs> Baldwin. The, the movie itself was fine, but Tom Cruise is the best part, but that's a whole different discussion. But um, I, I, the thing that whenever I watch it, uh, Sound of Music, the opening number when Julie Andrews is out in the field like that in the middle oh. of like the, the plains in, in Austria and she starts singing the hills are alive. And it's, it sucks you right in and it, it never, never gets old. It's like, wow. Yeah. It's over 50 years old and it's still, I mean, the, the fact that it manages to get you into that moment, it, it's, it's indescribable. Yeah. I mean, I think it's considered a holiday film for because for some reason NBC aired it every year for like 40, oh. 40 50 years for some reason during the holidays. And I, I'm actually going to try to go on Saturday. They're having a sing-along uh, at our local theater uh, of it. And I think that'd be really fun. But I mean, it just shows what a good movie it is because I never realized until I went to it and the lot on the big screen last year that it is so long. It's almost three hours long. But I yeah. never felt that way. I watched it when I was a kid all the time just because I loved it so much. It's one of my favorite movies, period, by Maria Von Trapp. 
is a snooze. It is not a good book. <laughs> really? No, it's very boring. And, uh, and then they made it into a better Broadway musical. And mm. then when they made the movie, they made it even better than the Broadway musical because the Broadway musical was, was written for Mary Martin, who was a big star at the time, but she had a very limited range. Okay. And so the songs were, were fairly, <laughs> were, weren't, weren't that, uh, uh, they didn't have that much range and okay. they're fairly the same. They all sounded kind of the same and okay. they made uh, the Baroness and Max way more sinister characters because there's two songs that they sing, which definitely make them more scheming and more plotting and they're not the greatest songs. So they got rid of those for the movie, which was brilliant. And they changed things around. So in the stage version, uh, the, she sings the goat herder song when the kids are scared. Okay. And the, she does do re me later and they switched that around. I mean, not do re me, uh, my favorite things. And that works so much better for her to do my favorite things there in the, when the kids are scared, that just makes more sense. It's so much kids too. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. I forget all their names. Legal. Friedrich, Weasel, Friedrich, Louisa, Marta, Louisa, yeah, Ernst, Friedrich, Brigitte, and Gretel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're all so good. Oh, yeah. And I love like 16 going on 17. I love Edelweiss, I think is so great. It's just, it's one of my favorite movies. Like I said, I just love it. So oh, yeah. good choice. That's a great yeah. choice. Yeah. yeah. And if you don't mind, I just wanted to add a few more details. Yeah, please. But, oh yeah. Okay. But um, some like my favorite songs, like I said, uh, I like Do Re Mi. Mm-hmm. I also like, um, like I said, uh, the whole, I have confidence in me. Like the way she goes, wake up, wake up. I, I always found that really funny and how she just, it's almost like she kind oh, of yeah. did that on the fly for some reason. I don't know why, but Oh, the song oh. that, um, How Do You Solve a Problem Like Maria. Oh, uh, yeah. I love that. Be- the reason why I love that song is because my sister is named Maria. And oh, no. quite a handful. And we always do that just to play around with her. And she'll always give us that, um, I don't want to say the word, but the active B face, if you know what that means. <laughs> yeah. Well, she's so lucky because she gets all the good songs. Uh, because there's Maria from West Side Story. Oh, I just yeah. met a girl named Maria. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite, I think it's my favorite moment in the movie is when after Maria goes back to the, uh, to the monastery or whatever, oh, yeah. they're starting to sing my favorite things, you know, to try to try to make themselves feel better in some way. But then they say girls and light rashes and blue sand sashes. And as they're singing, they slowly start to hear Maria singing oh, along with yeah. them all going, what is that her? Yeah. And it's, see that it's her, and I love it. It, it get it's, when you start to hear her voice, I get I get goosebumps from it. It's like she's back. So she's good. back. So good. Oh, yeah, I love, I love also the scene where her and the captain are dancing. That is and, good. Oh, so good. It's a great, great movie. One of my all-time favorites. It's definitely in my top ten. I love it. So I'm with you there on that for sure. I could talk about Santa music all day. <laughs> I really <laughs> have you done a video on it yet. No. <laughs> okay. I was going to have to. That would be fun. Yeah. I, I'd like to hear your full thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. That would be really fun. Uh, and it's interesting too, because uh, Christopher Plummer was actually, his singing was actually dubbed and you could not tell at all. And really? so when people are like against dubbing now in movies like La La Land or whatever, it's right. like, 
it was the only time that you notice dubbing is when it's done badly. Like nobody notices it in Sound of Music. And so I would rather have good singing. <laughs> yeah. And uh, anyway, so, okay. So my next choice is called This Christmas. This is from 2007. And I feel like this is a movie that is very easy to kind of judge on the cover and just be like, oh, that's like a Tyler Perry movie. It's not going to be that good. And uh, it's, it's an ensemble African-American cast, but it's a great cast. They have Delroy Lindo, Idris Elba, Loretta Devine, Chris Brown. Uh, the, the list goes on and on and on. If, uh, Regina King is in it. Ooh. And so a lot of great actors are in it. And basically sort of the message of the, the you have all these different storylines for all these different characters of this, in this family. And uh, one of the main things is so Loretta Devine is, plays sort of the mother of the, uh, of the family. And she's uh, been dating this Delroy Lindo for a long time. Uh, she has all of these uh, sons and, uh, and daughter, and she doesn't want the oldest son to be pursuing, and she doesn't want any of her sons to be pursuing music because that's what sort of led uh, her, her husband, their father, like away from the family. And so she doesn't want that. And of course you've got Chris Brown, who this was when he was just young. He was like 19 anyway. And so he really wants to sing, but he's doing it like in secret because he knows his mother will be against it. Okay. And uh, anyway, you have all these different personalities and, and yes, there definitely are the cliched succumbing moments, but there's also a lot of heart and a lot of genuine funny moments. And uh, it's just the kind of thing that I like to watch at Christmas, something that's about family, something that feels good, something that's funny, and uh, in the end has a, a really nice message and has some good songs, great soundtrack. And I didn't yeah. know about that. And uh, Delroy Lindo, you said? Yes. Okay, I saw him in the Cider House Rules with Michael Caine and Tobey Maguire. Okay, yeah. He was like a support, minor, support, a minor supporting character, I don't know. And Regina King, I obviously know from Jerry Maguire and the TV show Southland and who else yeah. was Chris Brown, you said the singer, Chris Brown, singer, Chris Brown. Yeah. Like oh, so this wow. is when he was just a young in. So like, he gone okay. down a dark path. Okay. Before all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. He was okay. just like 19. Oh, and okay. yeah. <laughs> who else is in it again? It's is got that? Idris Elba. Idris Elba. Oh yeah. yeah. He's like in that. it. Uh, Loretta Devine. And a whole bunch of other people you probably recognize, but not, maybe not, not know the names. But uh, yeah, it's just about this family, everybody getting together for Christmas. It's also about how like food sort of uh, brings back memories and all, and how Christmas traditions bring back memories. And uh, and sure. it's not like reinventing the wheel. I don't want to like oversell it or something, but like it's just really pleasant, funny, well acted, uh, little family. Christmas comedy, which I, I enjoy very much. Okay, yeah, another Christmas comedy. You just made me think of it. Came to mind was the Family Stone. Yeah, Parker and Craig T. Nelson. Yeah, this is a lot more uh, pleasant, in my opinion. <laughs> and that one, it does. I don't hate it. I don't hate the Family Stone, but I feel like it has a lot of sort of shrill characters who are kind of unpleasant. I guess, yeah. You know, <laughs> and I, I feel like they're a little tough on Sarah Jessica Parker's character, and yeah, uh, I feel that way too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I don't love that one, but it's it's not awful. But I think this is better. No. This is more pleasant, in my opinion. 
with Lethal Weapon. Ah, okay. By Richard Donner from 1987. It's been a little while since I've watched it, so I'm gonna. Tr- I, I I don't have any notes, which I think you have notes, if if I can tell. A little, a little bit. It, okay. Yeah. Just okay. It's yeah. okay. Just. Right, I'm just. I'm I've just never seen it, so just tell us about it. Oh, okay. Well, um, it's got Mel Gibson and Danny Glover. It's like the. I think it's the quintessential buddy cop action film. It's set during Christmas time, and just a little. Just, just a little note for anyone who's watching. I got a, I tried to pick movies that are set during Christmas time or like maybe winter theme movies that you can watch during the winter time. Yeah. That makes sense. One of them. We're going to be talking about that later. I've already done a review on it. But anyway, Lethal cool. Weapon. It's directed by Richard Donner, who did um, Superman. Superman, yes, with Christopher Reeve and a couple episodes of The Twilight Zone, if I'm not mistaken. Not that I've ever watched the show, but uh, let's see. Mel Gibson plays a cop in the LAPD named Martin Riggs, who is dealing with a loss, dealing with a personal loss. And he's partnered with, uh, let's see, Danny Glover's character, Roger Murtaugh, and who's dealing with uh, similar problems of his own, like in the fact that he's getting older and one of his famous lines, I'm getting too old for this. Yeah. (laughs) Danny Glover. I've always liked Danny Glover and that he's, and he adds a lot of good, good humor to the movie and Mel Gibson Look, say what you want about him and his personal life and the racial remarks he made, and I'm not condoning him for that, but you got to admit, the guy's a great actor, and he's a great director, too. And he, this is probably one of his best acting outings I've ever seen because there's, certain, there's a certain scene where he's kind of pondering killing himself, and it gets a little intense. And actually, when I first saw this, I remember it very vividly. I literally was shaking because I thought, don't do it. Don't do it. But uh, and there's a scene where he... Oh God, I'm going to laugh. When he is trying to talk down this guy who's trying to jump off a ledge, he's trying to calm him down, but the guy just won't listen to him. And all of a sudden he just grabs him and goes, do you want to jump? Do you really want to jump? And and he's got that crazy look in his eyes. And Mel Gibson, you got to give him credit for that. He gets the crazy eye look down to a T. Yeah. I think he's a little bit of a nut in real life. And I guess that just kind of feeds into some of the characters he plays. Yeah. But, you know, when you really break it down, he's dealing with a lot of emotion. And I guess it's like that op- two opposites attract kind of thing. And they don't really want to work together, but they kind of have to. And they have to solve this. Uh, I think it's a, a drug smuggling ring of some kind. It's run by a man named Jack Joshua, played by Gary Busey, who's the main antagonist. And I think it's a really good movie. And uh, there's some of the actions. Some of the actions are a bit intense, particularly out in the there's a scene in the desert where... Martin Riggs has got a sniper rifle on one of the bad guys, and uh, uh, Roger Murtaugh is trying to exchange uh, a hostage with certain money or something. And uh, it's it's a pretty intense movie, and there's some torture scenes if you're sensitive to it. It gets a little disturbing some uh-huh. of the time, like dealing with water and, and electricity. It, it, it's a little hard to watch. It's a little violent. Actually, it's pretty violent, actually. But... Uh, Really, it's a really good. It's a really fun movie. It's very funny. It's a lot of emotion, as I said, and especially with uh, Mel Gibson's character Martin Riggs. So, if you're interested, if you haven't seen it yet, give give it a try. Cool. Sounds good. Yeah, I've heard good things about that one. I just haven't seen it. But uh, so my next pick is The Family Man, starring Nicolas Cage. Speaking of crazy <laughs> eyes. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> and have you seen it? Oh, a long time ago, but I do remember specific moments, like when he wakes up and he realizes that it's not the same world, and he gets yeah. Don Shields, and 
please tell me what's happening without the mumbo jumbo or something or other. I don't yeah. know. Hilarious. So funny. Taya Leone. <laughs> so basically like Nicolas Cage is this like high powered broker person. And, uh, and he is like driving a Corvette and just like super pumped. And, and uh, he had this like college girlfriend uh, played by Taya Leone. And, uh, one day after he's being super grumpy, he wakes up and he's living in like the suburbs and he's married to <coughs> Taylor Leone and has two kids and drives a minivan. It's like this horror story for him at first. And then he starts to become slowly more attached and more attached and starts to change him and everything. And, and of course, you know, the whole time that this isn't real. And so, like, what is, you know, he's yeah. going to wait, he's becoming so attached to these things. And then, of course, he's going to wake up and be in the, in the, uh, in the, uh, back to his normal other life. life. And so, how's he going to make this all work? And it's, uh, it's just really charming. And he's really warm in it, really sweet. It is funny, like you're saying. He's very funny. Don Cheadle's yeah. funny. Uh, it'll yeah. make you laugh. And it is PG 13, but it's, and it does have a little bit of adult content, but it's pretty good. And yeah. so, yeah, I, I, I like it. So family man. Yeah. I, it's been a while since I've seen it, but I do remember certain parts. Like, like I said, when he wakes up and uh, the, some of the talks he's had with Don Cheadle's character, but I think uh, one moment that kind of, I, I think if I, if I'm going to talk about one thing, it's the way it ends. When yeah. he runs into Tia Leone, he tells her, don't get on the plane. And he tells him about the, the life that they have. And she kind of stops for a moment and, I, th I think the way it ends, it's kind of like, you know, it's not like a, oh, they're together and they have a family, but it's, it's like, it's, it's almost like it kind of plants the seeds for it to, to go forward in the future, I guess. That, that's just the way I see it personally. It, it's just like a somber and a slightly hopeful ending. It's Iron Man 3. Yes. So it what is. do you like about Iron Man 3? Okay. Now, well, first of all, this is actually, I, I forgot to mention earlier with Lethal Weapon, Shane Black wrote the screenplay for it, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. it's not thing he directed iron man 3 right and iron man 3 is set during the winter christmas time but it's it's in die hard it's like die hard in one specific way you can watch it any time of the year because it's set in california mm -hmm. some of it's set in california where it's warm most of the year but it takes place after the events of the first avengers tony stark is dealing with a lot of anxiety about what he saw in the battle of new york and like went up into a big hole in the sky and saw the alien fleet coming down and he's He's, he's trying to struggle with the fact that he may have to deal with that one day. Yeah. This new villain shows up on the scene, the Mandarin, played by Ben Kingsley, but that turns out to not be the case at all, if you haven't seen it by now. But I am going to be spoiling certain details. Yeah. So, and I know Rachel does have some stuff to say, but just bear with me. <laughs> um, let's see. Okay, yeah. they. Um, he shows up and I guess poses a threat to Iron Man. Again, it, this one's been a little while since I've seen it, but I do remember he since he basically gave away his identity in the first Iron Man, he says, you know what? You want me, you come and get me. And it, that's what happens. And his house is destroyed. And it's like the Dark Knight Rises. He kind of loses everything and he's on his own. And he has to rebuild his suit with the help of this young kid played by Ty Simpkins, who I think is really, really funny, but slightly kind of annoying, just in the wrong way, just slightly. But uh, yeah. It tries, he tries to, he's trying to solve the mystery of like who the Mandarin is by tracking down these people who work for the Mandarin. And uh, it's, they, I think he goes to Tennessee at one point where 
it's obviously, you know, it's cold and my mom's from Tennessee. So she can say that, yeah, it definitely does snow down there. So, <laughs> and studying the mystery of like a kill of a, a soldier who was killed in Afghanistan during the Afghanistan war or Iraq or something. And he eventually, Tony eventually catches up with the Mandarin, but it turns out it's not the Mandarin at all. In fact, the Mandarin's not real. And Kingsley who plays him is just a complete wacko. And the real guy is played by Guy Pierce, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Guy Pierce, yeah. It was like it, it, it was basically that fanboy turned bad guy, which we saw in The Incredibles and Batman Forever and The Amazing Spider-Man 2, which don't get me started on that. But uh, <laughs> Yeah, but Guy Pierce I thought was fine, but there's a point in the final battle when all the he uses once he's once Tony Stark overcomes his anxiety, which I do kind of like that. It, um, <laughs> oh, bless you. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> Where he overcomes his anxiety, the kid, I forget the kid's name, but he he t- he tells him, like, look, think about this or something or other. And he learns how to, you know, play that in his head and he's able to refocus himself. And so I totally get that. I think it's a good recommendation. I'm glad we're throwing that out there, something different. Uh, but I, it is my least favorite Marvel movie, believe it or not. I know a lot of people say Iron Man 2, but I, I just, I think there's, I just can watch Iron Man 2 and enjoy it more. I'm not a twist person. I hate Shyamalan movies. I hate like big <laughs> twists like that. It's just not my thing usually, very rarely. And uh, so the Mandarin twist was so lame to me. I really didn't like it. Like you had like an interesting character and then you switch it out for a, another villain in a suit. Like that was so dumb. And I mean, how yeah. many villains Marvel villains could we possibly have that are these men in a suit, you know, it's like, and, but I did like Tony with his anxiety in dealing with that. And I thought that Robert Downey Jr. was very good at kind of portraying panic attacks and portraying anxiety in a realistic way. I thought he was great. I like, I like his interactions with the kid pretty well. I think they're pretty good. And so it's not terrible. And I guess that says something about what I think about the other, I mean, I don't know. This one or Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 are my least favorite. I, I really didn't care for that one either. Twist is, um, I think if, I, I do remember, I, I was away in uh, Fort Lee, Virginia for military training when the movie uh-huh. came. And a lot of my um, my classmates or my fellow tra- soldier trainees were going to see it on the weekends when we had off. Uh-huh. And I was hearing that there's a certain point in the movie that that fans aren't going to like. And I thought, okay, what, what happens? And when I saw the movie, I thought, oh, Okay, yeah, some fans are not gonna like that <laughs> at all. And I will admit, I I thought Ben Kingsley did a pretty good job of you know acting like a weirdo, but not completely overdoing it. But on the other hand, it's like, okay, dude, chill out. I get it. It is called Christmas in Connecticut. It's a movie from nineteen forty-five, so it's right during like the heat of the war, and uh, it's about it stars it. And it has the feel of like an old Preston Sturgis romantic comedy, old school romantic comedy. And it's, it stars Barbara Stanwyck. And she plays this modern women, woman <laughs> who lives in the city in an apartment and whatever. She has this kind of dopey boyfriend or whatever. And uh, she writes under a pseudonym. And, and she writes all of these family and housekeeping columns where she's giving advice on how to cook and how to take care of your kids and how to, you know, and all this stuff. And it's totally just, she's kind of just 
BSing it, like for lack of a better. Because, oh. And uh, <laughs> because she obviously is a single woman. She doesn't know how to cook at all. She's not out, but she's writing all this stuff about like Christmas in Connecticut with the, with the, uh, the roast lamb and, and the family gathered around the fireside, blah, 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 you know, just making it really sound perfect and everything. Well, this, uh, this soldier reads her articles and when he's on and when he is and it kind of gets him through the war and when he's on leave he basically like writes to them and says you know mean nothing more to me to be able to spend a christmas with uh, this writer and so the 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 publisher decides the 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 newspaper decides they're gonna like fake it and so she ends up going down to connecticut and <laughs> and pretending to be this like housewife and with this okay. house and this is trying to trick the soldier who of course is super dreamy and and, and lovely and whatever and <laughs> and it's really funny because like so there's these uh these women in town who work at this factory and so they they provide sort of the baby <laughs> And and, she, and and but she like supposedly is her baby, but she's just like taking care of it during the day oh, uh, while they're working in the factory. And like each day, it's like a different baby. And so like the soldier's like, what? um, yeah, because the soldier like ends up changing diapers and stuff. And one day he's like, this is not the same baby, you know, this is a different oh. baby. And she's just like, uh, she just fudges it in really funny ways, and it's 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 really cute. It's a really okay. really cute movie. Okay. Yeah, and there's all these shenanigans when she's like trying to cook, and when she's trying to, um, it's <laughs> it's a movie that's been sort of copied a lot, especially by places like Hallmark and stuff like that. But in okay. uh, you know in romantic comedies, but it's very charming. It's very funny. It's very romantic. There's good chemistry, and like there's classic scenes with them like in a, uh, uh, <laughs> they're, they're like going uh, through a, uh, uh, on a, on a one horse sleigh and getting all cozy and everything. Oh. There's like snow and, and, uh, and of course it's like, it's a little awkward because she thinks he thinks she's like married and stuff and there's all this like chemistry. And, but I also love the fact that like when he finds out, he's just like, oh, well, let's just get married. These are not all this. I hate in these kind of movies when they're like, you lied to me. How could you lie to me? You know, like all this stuff. I uh, hate that. <laughs> it's pretty funny. It's pretty funny. <laughs> it's a, the first thing that came to mind. Okay. Eventually he's going to figure this out. It's not the same baby. Yeah. Well, and also because like, he's expecting her to be like perfect and all this stuff and be like this great chef. And there's all these articles, you know? And so the fact that she sucks at like raising, at, like she can't even change a diaper. It's really <laughs> funny. So. <laughs> this is what I would call a winter theme movie. You can, well, I think you could watch it at Christmas time, but you could also watch it in like January, February or March, you know, winter months, if, if what have you. And it is a classic sci-fi film. There's a sequence. The first third of it, I would say, takes place in the snow. But I think overall it has like a cold vibe to it, I guess. Which uh -huh. is the tone of the movie. And you can watch it in the, in the wintertime. You can watch it in the summertime. But I think it fits in the winter. It is Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back. Nice. <laughs> I really like how your picks are sort of out of the box, something different. Because I think people sometimes get bored of the, 
the classic Christmas movies and want something sort of different. And I found it kind of hard to sit through the Yoda scenes and I found it kind of boring, but as I got older, I started to, I, I appreciate them, you know, for Luke's character development and the scene where Luke goes into the cave and he has that hallucination. As a kid, I had no idea what that was about. But now that we've seen the other films, I totally get it because it foreshadows not only his heritage, but what he could possibly become if he was not careful. And seeing his face inside Darth Vader's helmet when it exploded, I kind of have a similar reaction that Mark, that Mark Hamill's acting does in that scene. It's like, what? What is this? Yeah. And I love the Battle of Hoth sequence. That sequence is so, so, it's, it, I mean, saying it's iconic doesn't quite cover it, but yeah. the AT-AT walkers still look great, like 37 yeah. years later. And I read somewhere, that, I think I saw a documentary that George Lucas took ideas from elephant, elephant legs moving around, one foot forward, the back foot forward, the other front foot, and so on. And he used those movements to try to incorporate it into the walkers' movements which I thought was pretty, a really clever idea. And the other stuff on Hoth, like when Luke gets um, trapped in that Wampa cave and Han Solo has to go out and find him, it's one of those things where you can definitely feel like you're getting cold because the way the snow and the wind yeah. is blowing and everything. And I, I, have to, I have to admit, when I was about 12 years old, me and my friend, we were big Star Wars fans growing up. We would sometimes reenact the Battle of Hoth and the snow. I was like, here come the walkers, fire, fire. We would build our own trenches and act like we were getting ambushed by Imperial snowtroopers and whatnot. So it kind of played like, a, it has a little special place in that regard. But I think it's a, I think it's a really good movie, like for Luke to discover, go to deeper, darker places, you know, try to getting closer to being a Jedi and eventually finding out that Vader is his oh, father. Most epic reveal ever. It'll yeah. never get more epic. No, I don't that. think it will. And the fact that it was originally going to be Obi-Wan that killed Luke's father, I think that would have been a pretty good twist, but but this was even better. I mean, yeah. I still don't remember what my first response was because I sort of remember first seeing it, but I don't remember how I reacted to it. But I yeah. do, if you've seen other YouTube videos of kids going, what? <laughs> Movie, one of my favorites. I, uh, you know, for a long time, the original Star Wars was my favorite. And it's still one of my favorites. I, I still love it. And just because it's more of like a movie that you just like cheer and you're just like, yes. Woo! And yeah, that's yeah. more sort of my style. Uh, but I do think that Empire Strikes is the, Strikes Back is the best made of the series. I think it is the, it is the best that. movie, yeah. but as far as entertainment value, my favorite is either the first one or Force Awakens are my, my favorite. And I feel- When Luke goes into the carbon chamber, the carbon freezing chamber, uh-huh. and, he, and he comes out from the floor and he starts to walk around, the door closes and, he, and there's no music. He looks down, he kind of looks around and he looks at his blaster, he puts it away. Just the suspense that builds up oh. to Vader showing up. It's like oh. the way he looks at, the, at his blaster, Chris Duckman said this in his review, it's basically him saying, this isn't going to do me any good in here. And it's like, oh my God, he knows that he's in trouble. And when he turns to look at Vader, he said, the force oh. is with you, Skywalker, but you're not a Jedi yet. I, my body's literally just like, my hair stands up all over my body. Yeah. And, and the way his costume looks, Darth Vader's costume looks among the blue light. Yeah. I think it's beautiful it's to look at. The oh. cinematography in that scene is so gorgeous. Good. Yeah. And Lando Calrissian is such a fun character. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. Billy D. Billy yeah, D's. Always good. 
So it's so good. I love it. So I'm totally with you there. So my last pick is, uh, is I, you know, I've been immersed in Hallmark movies this year with the Hallmarkies podcast that I've been doing. So I thought only appropriate that I give my favorite Hallmark movie, Christmas movie ever as, as one of my picks this year. And so we're going to talk about Trading Christmas. And this is a movie that I think you could release in the theaters and I think people would like it. And it's, uh, it's similar to, did you ever see the movie The Holiday with Kate Winslet? Oh, yeah. I, I saw like maybe the first half of it, but I've never finished oh, the whole thing. didn't like it. Well, uh, so it's, it's similar premise to that movie, but I think it's as good, if not better, to be honest. Uh, it is about, it stars Tom Cavanaugh, who is completely charming and I love. Oh, Reverse Flash. Dr. Harrison Wells yeah. from the last TV show. Okay. Yeah. Now you and, Yes, and it has Faith Ford, who you probably would recognize. She was on Murphy Brown. She was on a bunch of different shows for a long time. She's been around and been in a lot of stuff. She's really good. And she plays this teacher who is is frustrated, and she she decides she's going to go surprise her daughter, uh, and uh, and she's going to switch houses for uh, for. Christmas break. Well, and she ends up finding, you know, it's one of those house switching websites or whatever. And so she switches with this Tom Cavanaugh character who's like this writer who's got, who's like blocked. He's got this writer's block. And so uh, they switch and it turns out her daughter is actually going away. And so she's, she ends up not being there. So she's kind of lonely, but she can't go back because he's in her house. And so she's there in I think Philadelphia, I think. Anyway, and uh, his Tom Cavanaugh's brother, played by Gil Bellows, uh, he comes by to like see who's in the house or to check up on. I can't remember. Anyway, and they just start talking. They hit it off, and there's such chemistry between the two of them. Huge chemistry. And yeah. Gabrielle Miller plays a, a younger sort of friend of the Faith Ford character. Uh, that I think they were like both teachers together or whatever. Anyway, so they're friends. And so she decides to make a surprise visit to Faith Ford's house. But it turns out, of course, she's gone. And Tom Cavanaugh is there. And the two of them end up spending all this time together. And they have great chemistry, really good. And she even kind of helps him on his book and whatever. And it's really cute. It's really well done. It's uh, it's got some heart to it because uh, the Faith Ford character has never really gotten over the death of her husband. And so her having this sort of new relationship is kind of helping her to do that. Uh, her uh, daughter is really uh, cute. Uh, her uh, played by Emma Lahana and it has Andrew Francis, who's one of my favorite Hallmark actors. He's great. And it's just a delight. It's really heartwarming, romantic, Great chemistry, well written, lovely little fun movie. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. You said it was a recent, like it came out this year. Uh, no, it came out in two thousand eleven. Oh. But it's my oh. favorite. It's okay. my favorite Hallmark movie. I honestly think I might like it even more than The Holiday. Oh really? But I mean, it's just G rated though, like all the Hallmark movies. So it's G rated, but they do kiss a lot, so that's fun. Okay. And yeah. it's just lovely i love tom cavanaugh i love gil bellows i love faith ford i like the whole cast i love okay and uh so 
yeah, give it a shot. Okay. I think uh, I think that if you have any openness to romantic comedies, I think you'll like it. Okay. So that's Brand- my last pick. All right, last pick. It is definitely a Christmas movie. Ah, all right. It is The Santa Claus with Tim Allen from 1994. Nice. Yeah, this one, I, I never realized, it, like the last two times, I never brought it up. But uh, for those of you who don't know, Tim Allen plays a man named Scott Calvin, who's a uh, toy company executive of some kind. Yeah. He's divorced. He lives in Chicago. He uh, He's going to spend the Christmas Eve with his son, Charlie, and uh, his ex-wife and her husband, who is... Uh, I don't know the actor's name, but I think he was in the first Beverly Hills Cop. Uh, Judge Ryan Holt, isn't that his, I think that's his name. I think yeah. so, yeah. He's one of the cops that meets Eddie Murphy when he gets thrown out the window. So yeah. <laughs> that's a different story. But um, he's distant from his son, Scott Calvin, and he's, I guess, I guess he's kind of wrapped up. I, I don't know. I, th- I think he might be wrapped up in his job. I don't know. But uh, he and his son don't have the greatest father-son relationship, and they – he tries to bond with his son by taking him out to dinner, but it doesn't really go so well. He takes him out to Denny's instead because he burns the turkey or something. I remember that fire extinguisher scene more than anything. Yeah. <laughs> like, those flames are really big, Dad. Yeah, turkey's funny that way. Dad, hey, hey. <laughs> but he hoses it down so much that he can't yeah. eat it, and it's so burnt. But um, uh, when on Christmas Eve night, Santa shows up on the roof, and I still like that scene, like when you could hear the – the, the the sleigh bells but you don't see the sleigh and the reindeer just yet yeah and then the, the big thud on the roof charlie's like what the heck's going on and he listens and scott of course thinks it's an intruder so he goes and he scares santa off the roof and he falls into the snow and he reads the card that he finds on santa's body something should happen to me put on my suit the reindeer will know we'll take care of the rest it's the santa claus <laughs> santa claus yeah because he reads that the original santa disappears yeah I think, which i always thought in a similar fashion with obi-wan kenobi's body disappearing into thin air when darth vader kills him so and i always found that kind of weird though like wait a minute where did he go and how come nobody remembers him? i, I don't know but uh it's, <laughs> <laughs> i mean but he ends up like delivering the presents all across like chicago and i guess the whole country i don't know but or the world maybe but yeah He's kind of, but then he finds himself kind of locked into this contract, if you will, as the head elf Bernard has him read the uh, the clause, putting on the suit, the Santa sleigh, reindeer, blah blah blah. And he sees the North Pole. His he take, his son's like eating this all. He's eating this all up. He's loving it. And then when he wakes up, he assumes it was all a dream. But his son insists that it actually happened. And then he slowly starts to notice these changes happening to him. Like his body starts to get heavier. And he's, his hair starts to get grayer yeah. and whiter, and he starts growing a beard. He tries shaving it, but he keeps growing back so fast. And then finally, he becomes Santa Claus, and his ex-wife and her husband are going, what are you doing? This is, re- this is weird. And then, but it really, at its core, it's about someone trying to accept who he is, I guess, what he's meant to be. Mm-hmm. And it actually makes him a better person. And I think that the line that sums it up is at the end, when he has to say goodbye to Charlie, when he has to go out and uh, deliver the presents and his son doesn't want to leave him because he finally feels that his dad is who he envisioned him to be, I guess. Yeah. But he never knew it. He said, hey, Charlie, listen to me. You believed in me when nobody else did. You helped make me Santa and I will be ever for, forever be grateful to you for that or whatever he says. It's, I kind of like father's 
some moments that are like that where they finally get a chance to connect on some level. Yeah. And I don't know, it always, because my dad and I don't have the greatest father-son relationship and seeing him say that in that scene, I think it, it, it touches me somewhere. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's a really nice scene. It has a nice heart to it. Uh, it's, it's one of those Christmas movies. You kind of just have to enjoy. You can't like overthink it. Obviously it's just a silly little movie, but it, yeah. and uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. And Tim Allen is, is good at that kind of comedy and yeah, uh, yeah it, it just has a good heart to it. I don't think we needed two sequels, I'll tell you that, but I, no. I think this one's a nice one. Yeah, but one of my favorite moments is when uh, he's in the meeting and he's got sweats on and he's sticking out like a sword. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but when um, the one executive, he's got like the paintings or something of Santa riding in a German tank or something and he goes, well, isn't that a pretty picture? Santa rolling down the block in a panzer. Look, it looks like we're gonna hit the Pearson Hall. Incoming! <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. No, there are a lot of funny lines, and it just it works well. It's good. It's a lot okay. of fun. I think it's one that the whole family can watch and really enjoy. Yeah. So no, it's a good choice. Yeah, and uh, like like I said, like it does have like a sense of awe and wonder to it when they go inside the North Pole. Like they go underground. And they're all looking around and everything. Like Santa stories, you know, like that. It's just fun for the holidays. Sure. Yeah. So that's a good pick. All right. Well, good. We did it. Another year. So yes. Next Proud year it's it. going to be even harder, but it, we'll, we'll find a way. We'll find a way. There's like just Christmas Carol alone. There's like 30 versions. So I, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> Next I, year I can like talk about the Patrick Stewart one or, or whatever. So oh. it should be fun. <laughs> Starting now until next Christmas, I'm going to try to pick different picks. <laughs> yeah, I know. We got to start thinking about it early nowadays. Yes. So, well, uh, thanks so much for, for joining me. This is so fun. And oh. so where can people find you? You can find me at my YouTube channel, Joe Tufano, and you can follow the links to my Facebook page and Twitter and Instagram there. Uh, Instagram. Yeah, I'll have Joe them in the description Tufano. section too. Yeah, yeah. You could just go, uh, you could go to the link and rachel's description for this video but you could find me for on joe tofano on youtube yeah awesome thanks uh, again and you can find me oh, at yeah. smiling yell the guest girl on social media and uh, you can uh, follow me on itunes now we're on rachel's reviews and also check out the hallmarkies podcast it's something i'm really proud of we've been doing the uh, the 33 original new films uh, christmas films uh, that hallmark is putting out this year so uh, it's pretty, pretty intense, but I am really having a blast. So I'll put a link down to that. Definitely check it out. I think you'll really like it. And uh, so the, I just love, love Christmas movies. It's just so much fun. Yeah. So, thanks again. And we will have to, uh, yeah. we'll have to talk again soon. Yes, please. Yeah. See you guys. Bye.